Philippians 3.17, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead and will sub subject all things to him is available to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Move in our hearts and open our ears that we might hear you clearly. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Paul here is inviting, encouraging, exhorting the Philippian people to live a transformed life. And he is comparing them to this other group of people that we're not totally sure who he's talking about. But there's two different ways of thinking, two different frames of mind, two citizenships, really. Paul is comparing this group uh, that he wants the Philippians to avoid uh, to a kind of people who are, in a sense, enslaved to their desires. He says the, their God is their belly, their end is their destruction. Um, and you shouldn't understand this as just like maybe they really love food or something. Um, you know, we as a culture generally struggle with gluttony. Uh, and I would say that this is not certainly less than that kind of being enslaved to your belly, which I know personally and intimately, but a kind of being enslaved to all your cravings. And in fact, this is a way that Paul will talk about all kinds of things. Like in 1 Corinthians 6, he'll tell the people that they can't live their sexual lives saying, well, I crave this, so I just feed it, uh, feed this desire. Um, again, the analogy is a food analogy there. Paul is saying there's a kind of people who are formed primarily by their cravings, and then there's a different kind of people, people who understand that their citizenship is in heaven and their minds are fixed on that end that live a different kind of life. Um, this people, the Philippian people, people of Philippi, N.T. Wright points out, this is a, a Roman colony that's not too far away from Rome. They're in Macedonia, so it's not that uh, long of a journey to Rome. They are a colony of Rome. They live in sort of occupied territory. They have an understanding, a particular kind of understanding of citizenship. And citizenship is a big deal in Rome. And what they would have believed, what they would have held on to, is that they are in some sense supposed to uh, represent Rome where they are. And a lot of times uh, we can read language like this and, and sort of envision Paul as saying, you just got to hold on until you can get out of here and go to heaven. But that's not what the people of Philippi understood about citizenship. They're not sitting there saying, I hope that one day I can get to Rome. What they're saying is we represent Rome. Our citizenship is tied to Rome. And if anything ever goes wrong, if the barbarians invade, if things go poorly here, what will happen is Rome will come here. Rome will invade and back us up. 
That is what they know that their citizenship uh, promises. And, and even if many of these people in Philippi weren't actual Roman citizens because that was a big deal, they knew that that's what the promise of Roman citizen, citizenship held. And Paul is saying that we as people struggle against the cravings of our flesh. Uh, we struggle against the same sort of things that enslave this other group of people. And we endure knowing that we are citizens and that one day we will be transformed. We will be changed, that even our bodies will be changed. Just as Jesus's own body was resurrected, our bodies will be resurrected. And therefore, our desires will be completely changed and transformed. There's a kind of way to hear this. There's a few different ways to hear this. One is to turn this uh, into a sort of hopelessness. Well, I'm never going to be better until I see Jesus face to face. So what's the point? And just on its face, that's obviously not what Paul is telling you. Paul is, in fact, telling you this is the way to be transformed, is to keep your mind fixed on Jesus. And there's another way to hear this as a sort of encouragement and exhortation into moralism. If I try really hard to make myself a better person, I can be the kind of person that Jesus wants me to be. Both of these things are temptations and they lead us down unhelpful paths. Never in Christian Orthodox Christian history have we said, don't worry about being a better person. Don't worry about being transformed. Um, you're ne it's never going to happen for you. Because that's quite the opposite of what Scripture says. Paul will say in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, explicitly, have your minds renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So you're meant to be transformed. Um, and, and it is not a New Testament message, on the other hand, to say that you are an agent of your own transformation. You should take up the full burden of your moral transformation and work really hard so that you would be the kind of person that you're meant to be. Neither of those things are what Paul is advocating. By putting this in the language of citizenship, he is very clear that Jesus transforms you. You can take everything into your own hands, but then you'll be like these other people who are enslaved to your own cravings. Don't be like them, but instead turn your life over to Jesus and he will transform you. Paul speaks often throughout his writings. The New Testament is very clear that we are at war within ourselves. I feel that. Surely you have felt that as well at war against things that we know that we should not give ourselves over to. We, we because of our uh, consciences, because of our spirits being awakened by the Holy Spirit, we know that you shouldn't give yourself over to anger or lust or to greed. And you and I probably have mixed results. We definitely have mixed results on that front. And in that moment, when you face failure in front of your cravings, you can feel these paths laying before you. Oh, here I am again. I'll never be better. Or, oh, I have to work so much harder. I have to be better. The answer 
in those moments when you are struggling with sin, you are struggling to hear the exhortation of Paul, you are struggling to stand fast. What you have to hear is the gospel. Jesus makes you better. It's not that, it's not that, oh, I'll never be better. It's not, oh, I have to be better. It's that Jesus is the one who heals you. He is the one who transforms you. And ultimately, Jesus will bring you in to his rest. When we baptize you, when you are baptized into the name of Jesus, you are being dunked into, covered, poured over in his own life. It is his resurrection that is put on your forehead, put onto your spirit, so that you have absolute promise, you have an anchor, you have a concrete covenantal sign that God says, one day this whole old man This whole flesh thing, these cravings, your belly will be put in the grave where Jesus was buried. And you will fully walk out freed and liberated. In other words, one day the emperor will ride into town for you. Your hope is not in yourself. And you do not have to despair. You are called to a life of transformation as you constantly fix your eyes on Jesus. You will slowly over time see him transforming you little by little as it happens. And when you fail, it is a moment to run to him once again to experience that transformation, that transforming renewal, the acceptance, the gentle mercy of God, and also to once again crave the day when all of your strivings will be over. And it really will be fully well with your soul, as we sang. It will be well with you. That you don't have to struggle anymore. That Jesus' life will fully be your own life. Jesus transforms his people. He will complete when he's finished. Don't be a slave any longer to your cravings. Don't be a slave to despair that you'll be ruled like this forever. Turn to Jesus. Beckon the emperor to your help. Let heaven come closer to you and rescue you. Your citizenship is secured by Jesus. That means he stands behind you and he will forever be your rescuer. This morning, look to Jesus and let him ride in for you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we're so thankful that you transform us. We're so grateful that in you is all the riches of life that we need. God, I pray that those who have been locked in despair, that they'll never uh, overcome sin, would stop uh, giving themselves over to hopelessness and instead in you find their hope. And, And Father, for those who have been exhausted by the ladder of moralism, constantly hearing that they need to be better and it's all on their shoulders. I pray the gospel would set them free this morning and instead they'll see that all their hopes are fixed on you. We thank you, Jesus, that you have done all that is necessary for us to be accepted by you and you are doing everything that is necessary to be, that we might be transformed into your image and likeness. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit 
would be um, such an experiential reality for all of us that we would experience the full benefits of this union that you've won for us. We'd be growing more and more into your image and likeness to the praise of your name because we are your beloved. We thank you for this, Jesus. Amen.